I'll be honest with you, <laughs> I'm not sure what's going to happen this morning, but um, <laughs> I, um, I, was, um, I prepared all week for the second part in the series, Malachi, and um, I kind of got a... I, I, you know what? I don't want to ever come up to a pulpit or a place to preach the gospel and not have a now word from God. I don't, God forbid, we just textbook a, a sermon. It's too important to do that. You've got, I really believe you're going to be standing up here. You've got to have been in the presence of God on your flipping face, trusting him for a now word, because he knows the exact people who are going to be in the room who need to hear what he needs to say today. Today. I don't believe in chances. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe God specifically, specifically put your backside on that chair this morning and for some reason, and his amazing grace, got me to speak to you. Well, we're hoping we're not going to listen to me. We're hoping we're going to listen to him, right? But, um, yeah, man, I'm on fire. I feel just that when I say that, I mean, I don't mean that arrogantly. I mean, just the, the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you guys. I'm, I'm, this, is, this is just... <clears throat> All right. Let's all stand. That's, we don't want to miss. We don't want to miss anything God's got for us this morning, right? I don't want one person, not one person, to leave this building not having encountered the Holy Spirit this morning. Yeah. So you know the Holy Spirit says to be filled with the Holy Spirit and continually filled. You know that, don't you? That we need to be continually filled. It's an ongoing thing. So what we're going to do, I just thought this morning, well, I, I didn't think it until we were in the pre-prayer thing and then I felt the Lord showed me to do it. We're going to lay hands on each other and we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh because that's more important than anything I've got to say. Amen? Okay, so just lay hands on someone next to you, please. We're all... We're all uh, antiseptic, clean, whatever. Can I pray? But guys, be expectant to receive an infilling of the Holy Spirit. We're not, we're not, I'm not just doing this for entertainment. I'm doing this because God wants to fill his people with his spirit so that you can do what he's put you on the planet to do. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We love you. We know there's nothing more valuable on the planet than your resource. And so as we lay hands on each other in faith, we ask, Holy Spirit, would you come in power? Would you fill every single person in this building afresh with your spirit? Fill from the tops of our head to the bottom of our toes, that we would be saturated, fire of God, right now, as we're laying hands on each other, Father, we trust you that any sickness would leave anybody, any pain would leave anybody, any affirmity the doctor said there's no hope of would be healed now in the name of Jesus. 
any hindering spirit, any demonic influence, any unclean familiar spirit, we command you off these people. We speak to any deception which would hinder any one of us from fulfilling our God-given destiny on this planet. We rebuke you in Jesus' name, and we proclaim that we are free and free indeed because of what Jesus, our Lord and Savior, all hail King Jesus, did on that cross of Calvary on our behalf in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's do a, I'm going to do a little bit of the series, I'll be honest, because I feel John's not here, he's got a, he's got a, a, a it's not funny, he's sick, <laughs> he's got a headache, he's laughing, what's the matter with him? Um, so he's not well, so he, he said, but he did say to me on the phone this morning, Lance, you have absolute freedom. So if you're watching on TV, <laughs> you said it, mate, you said it. So anyway, I'm going to do the Malachi thing, because that's what I'm told to do, and then I'm going to move into what, um, then I'm going to do some other things that are right. So yeah, so last night, sorry, I don't think I finished telling you what happened last night. So I went through my message, and I was going over it, and um, I just had that feeling something's missing, you know? And um, anyway, I put this video on of a guy called Ryan Hart Bonker, or Bonky, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. He's a famous evangelist. Have any of you heard of him? I mean, this, this, guy, is, is, this guy is a legend. He, I only realized he died a couple of years ago. He, I think he reached, just to get an idea of this guy, he's a German, okay? We don't hold that against him because we love the Germans now, don't we? Come on. Okay, we're all mates. Anyway, so my grandmother would... Anyway, okay. So, so Reinhard Bonker, this absolute legend, got a call of God on his life, and I was watching this video. Do you know that guy reached... He, he, he responded to what God showed him in a vision, and he, they reckon he reached 175 million to salvation, 175 million people, just some ordinary German little guy, just because he surrendered to God. He said, all right, whatever you say, I'm in. Anyway, so I'm watching the video last night, and um, I, I, the fire of God just came in my bedroom. I was a mess. And um, I'm like, oh, man, it'd be so cool if these guys could see this video. And then I'm thinking, oh, is this me? Is it God or what? And then my wife came in the room, and she said, you know what, my love? And she didn't know what's going on. She said, you know what, my love? I really feel there's a video you're supposed to show the church today. And I'm like, look, at, just watch this. And she watched it, and she was in pieces. She goes, you've got to show that. It's way better than anything you'd say. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> True story. So in Malachi, so what's happened in Malachi is this, right? And Ant did a really good opening to Malachi last week, and he, he nailed the history, so I won't give you a history lesson. But Malachi is the last book in the Bible. Um, after Malachi, there was a 400-year gap before we hit the New Testament. People call it where, the period where God was silent. Um, and basically the book, the last testament in the Old Testament, is, it's a lot of disputes with God's people. I think there were six in total in the book of Malachi. And basically what they did is um, 
they just continually wrestled with God. And God kept saying, why have you done this? And why have you done that? And the people are like, what have we done? What have we done? It's like I walked into my house one day. Kerry and I had been away. And my lovely daughter had had a food fight in the house. And this fruit dripping off the wall. I'm like, what's going on? And they're all like, what? What? What are you talking about? And there's like bits of fruit dripping off the ceiling. So the whole way through... God's in the book of Malachi, and he's saying, listen, you know, he keeps trying to call his people back and call his people back, and they're keeping the, the, the Afrikaans people in South Africa have got a great term. It's called hardachat, like a hard, hard, hard backside it means, you know, like a, you know what I mean? You know the, you know the saying. Did I say that right? Thanks. And, um, and they kept, they kept, they just kept... They kept just doing their own thing and being stubborn and then trying to kind of add God into it. So the bit, of, the bit of Malachi that I've got to read to you in part two is Malachi 1. Don't worry, I'll read it to you quickly. Uh, 1.6, all right? And it says this. If I can get some light, I can't even see. Just, can you? Yeah, okay. It says this. A son honors his father. I'm resisting wearing glasses in faith. It's not... <laughs> <laughs> it's not working, so we trust God that you're here. So he says, uh, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverent fear to me, says the Lord of hosts to you? O priests, you despise my name. You say, how have you, you say, how, gosh, I need these glasses, how and what have we, and how and, ha, how and have we despised your name? Amen. So what they'd done is they had brought to the altar of sacrifice basically damaged animals. So they were kind of chucking... If any of you watch three, uh, Only Fools and Horses, you know, they call it, we're selling it at Christmas, because what are you selling now? Like three, three-legged turkeys. Oh, do you remember that? They were, they were throwing the three-legged turkeys on the altar. They weren't, they weren't doing the best. They weren't bringing their best for God. So they were doing things wrong, and they were just doing what they, they needed to do, just to, they thought, we'll just keep God, keep God all right, we'll, we'll do the offerings, we'll do the sacrifices, but their hearts weren't in it. Their heart wasn't, and this is the great thing with God, God's always invited his people back to the journey. This is the amazing thing with grace. No matter where you are this morning, God's always calling you back to the journey. Doesn't matter what you've done, what you've been up to, God's always saying, you can rejoin the journey, let's go. God's always doing that. And all through the book of Malachi, he's saying, come on, let's go. And all the way through, in fact, from the beginning, from the beginning of Genesis, right the way through, they, sh- they, sh- they should have known better. They had no excuse. They st- in, in, um, I'll just throw it out there so you can... Genesis um, 22, where the father of the faith, Abraham, he's waiting on his son of promise, Isaac. You know the story. We all heard it in Sunday school. And 100 years old, a hundred years old, he gave birth because God promised him a son, and he gave birth to his son. And, he, and that son, when we see later on in the boy's life, the thing that Abraham and Sarah trusted God for the most, the most valuable thing they trusted God for, God says, go and sacrifice him on the altar to me. And the faith and the trust and the sold-out surrender for Abraham's heart was to take his son 
on a three-day hike to the top of a mountain where he laid him down, took a knife to his own son. It wasn't because he didn't have feelings for his son. It's because he had absolute trust in God. And he went to, as he went to pierce his son's heart, the angel of the Lord said, whoa, 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 whoa. It's all good. Use the ram caught up in the thicket. His best. But here we see in Malachi, the people are, they're kind of tipping God. They're kind of giving God what, let's just give, and the priests, the leaders of the people, they should have known better. They know what it's like. They know if we can just skip from the first book, we just move along to the next book, and then you see Moses, and you see the Exodus, and you see in the Exodus how he, they, God brings them out. They're all well, and then they come up to the, the, they leave Egypt, and the first thing they do, the Egyptian army's on their back, and they're all, oh, why have you brought us out of Egypt under all the oppression and misery we were under? We would have just been better off there. Why do you now we're going to get killed by the Egyptian army? And then God says, no, hold hold on a minute, and then he opens the Red Sea, and they go through the Red Sea, and then the Egyptian army advancing, and he closes the Red Sea, and he wipes the army out, and they get into the land, and then they start grumbling again, and then there's no water, and he gives them water, and then there's no food, and he gives them manna, and they say, oh, this manna's a bit boring, isn't it? God, what else you got? We would have been better off in Egypt. So God says, he must have said, oh, my, oh, myself, oh, my God, oh, myself, he must have said. Thank you. And then he gives them meat, quail, gives them meat. And then they have the meat. And then they just grumble and grumble. And then even in the midst of all of that, he, he shows them. This is the, when he does the tabernacle and he, and he introduces the law and he tells them what it is to be, what's the sacrifice for, what specifically it's for, how you sacrifice, how it pleases God. And then what happens? They're still stubborn. They're still hard-nosed stubborn people wanting to do their thing their way all the time all the way through we read it so now we journey along if i can jump us quick bang us 400 years forward into the new testament what sacrifice we sang it that song actually i didn't realize we were singing that song that song nailed surrender sacrifice in the new testament we are living sacrifice we put ourselves, we all sung it. I hope you all meant it. We sung, we're putting ourselves on the altar. Ourselves. It, whatever you want, didn't we say it? Whatever you want, we're on board. We're putting ourselves on the altar. That's New Testament sacrifice. That is what God, that's what Jesus did on that cross when he was tortured and crucified for us, for you and for me, he asked us now to sacrifice. Just think, guys. We were walking around. Most of us in this room, put your hand up if you've given your life to Jesus. Most of us in this room decided at some point, and this journey we're on through life, for however many years God seemed fit to give you, whether it's 70, 80, whatever many years it's got to give, you decided life without this guy isn't going so good. I think we all came to that decision, didn't we? We're walking around this world, and we, by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit drawing us, we were like, man, there's more to this than my plans, and me just trying to earn some decent money so I can retire nicely and have a nicer car than the next guy. 
Yeah? Nothing wrong with a nice car, but that's not what we're about. Amen. So then, I just was thinking about this. How we trust God with our eternal salvation. So we're not just trusting God with the next however many years you've got left. Some of you might have a year left. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. Some of you might have 20 years. We don't know, right? But what I do know is we're all going to die, aren't we? All of us. Hands up if you're not going to die. There's no... <laughs> the name's Enoch. Quick Bible joke. All right. So we had the wisdom to trust God with our eternal future. So eternity is thousands and thousands and thousands of years, right? Thousands of years. We trusted him with that, didn't we? Didn't we? But yet we struggle sometimes to sacrifice the here and now. Doesn't that, just think, just think isn't that bonkers? That we can trust God with our eternal thousands of thousands of years, the rest of our life. This is just a drop in the bucket. You know that, don't you? This time on earth, this is a drop. This is a drop. A grain of sand on a beach. We have eternity with God. If you know and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you haven't, then the only other alternative is hell. I know we don't like to preach hell anymore because it's not a politically correct message, but Jesus talked about it. But the good news, the great news, is even if you don't know God, you can accept Christ right now, can't you? You can choose, you can make the best decision of your life right now. Right now. There's no better decision. No, 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 is there anything on the planet? Is there anything on the planet cleverer or wiser to do than to trust in God? We trusted him with his lives. Huh? And we're bonkers at times, aren't we? Not trusting him. Half-hearted sacrifice. Oh, well, God said, and I haven't, it hasn't happened yet, and we're in a bit of a struggle. Oh, I don't know why I trusted God. Get a grip. Are you bonkers? Ask the person next to you, you bonkers? <laughs> Come on, Helen. Helen, you didn't do it. <laughs> you sat there smiling at me. Let's just put that slide up quick, please. This was a powerful thing that I felt the Holy Spirit stirred in my heart this week. In this world, surrender is to lose. It is, isn't it? If we surrender in this world, we lose. If we're in a battle and we surrender, we lose. If we're playing a game of chess and we knock our king over, we've lost. Surrender in this world, but in the kingdom of God, it leads to absolute victory. Jesus modeled it perfectly for us. You can read it in John. He laid down his life for you. Every single one of you, and there's not one person in this room Jesus would not have laid his life down for, but he didn't have to. Well, I love the story in John when there's three or six hundred soldiers and temple guards come in the garden for him. Six, six, three to six hundred of them, angry, swords drawn. Jesus is there with Peter and a couple of other guys, and Jesus stood up, and do you know what the Bible says? The whole army fell on its face, like an invisible thing. Boom! On their arm, back, bum, backside. <laughs> Edit. <laughs> right? 
No wonder Peter got his sword and he's like, come on then. Just seen the whole army wiped out. But Jesus said no. He said, we're looking for Jesus. Do you, do you know what Jesus said? I'm him. The same way, in the same language, in the same terminology as God said to Moses in the burning bus, in the burning bush, I am. Jesus said, I'm he. I am. Let's go. He laid it down. He surrendered all. And that's why I felt the Holy Spirit wanted me to emphasize this morning above everything. God wants your surrender. He wants you to come to a place where you are tired of your own plans, your own striving, your own way to do it, trying to do it a little bit of God and a little bit of you. You know what I'm talking about. Total surrender. And let me tell you, there's struggle in surrender. Struggle. And you know what's great about struggle? It's great. Because like my, um, <laughs> Jane's, Stuart, sorry, my mind went block. Like Stuart said, I've known Stuart for years and I've forgotten his name. It's great news. We're on the winning side. Even in the struggle, it's good. I tell people that Kerry and I have ministered to over the years, you know, we're so quick to bind the devil and rebuke the devil and we get everyone around chasing out the devil. Maybe God's busy with your character and maybe God's busy wanting you to in a place of surrender on your face before him so he can say, right, let's get on with this next thing I've got for you. Because God's more interested in your character than your comfort. We all think we're following God and it's going to be a bless me club. Well, it is a bless me club. Right? Because we are blessed people. We're victorious people. We've got a plan and a purpose. We're not just walking through the, through the world like mindless zombies with no plan and purpose, bar to get a load of money or be powerful or, or to do something ridiculously wasteful of time. We're here with a plan and a purpose. There's not one person in this building without a God assignment on their head. Not one of you. Don't think it's for other people. That's deception. God's got it for you. All he's saying to you is surrender. Okay. So this guy, Reinhard Bonker, right? Um, he died, but he had a few last words. And the, over the last few years, he, he, did, he, did a, he did a few videos. But his five-minute testimony is just on what God and how God dealt with him. I really, anyway, I don't want to waffle on. Let's just watch this, and then I'll talk for another minute or two, and then we'll see what God wants to do. Is that all right? God, turn it up. I was dreaming. I saw a huge map of Africa. And then the next thing was, Africa became washed in the precious blood of Jesus, from south to north and from west to east. And I heard a voice cry. That voice was something extraordinary. I, I'm, I'm sure it was the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he cried, Africa shall be saved, it was like a thunder. I woke up. I said, oh, that is wonderful. The Holy Spirit was in the bedroom. I felt the anointing of the Spirit of God. And then my German brain began to tick again. And I thought, 
My ministry has no impact in this tiny little country of Lesotho. And now I hear God say, Africa shall be saved. There's something wrong. I must have eaten bad bananas last night. But I had that dream four consecutive nights. And after night number four, I said to my wife, Honey, I think God is trying to tell me something. The mission board of the Felberter Mission, to which I belonged, came to investigate the whole situation. And I thought they were pleased that I was doing so well. But then he took me aside and he said, you cannot go on doing this. The printing press, all my evangelistic developments, they wanted to stop. I was just to be a missionary like their other missionaries. They didn't want anyone to fry an extra sausage. You had to stick to the rules, be like everybody else. And now I was pregnant, kind of pregnant, with that vision uh, of, of, of bringing the gospel of salvation to the whole continent of Africa. So I was now somehow in a dead-end road. I didn't want to offend my German superiors, but I didn't want to offend God. And then I decided to go uh, and hire a room in a hotel uh, right there at the border of, of Lesotho. And I thought, I'm going to pray here until God has spoken to me. I, I fell on my knees at the bedside there and I said, Lord, for the sake of peace, please allow me to agree with my German brothers. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And then the Lord spoke words that made me shake like a leaf in the wind. He said to me, if you drop the vision I gave you, of a blood-washed Africa. I have to drop you and give it to someone else to bring it about. I shook, physically, I shook like a leaf. I jumped up. I hadn't been longer than one hour in that hotel room. It was a very short fast. I paid my bill, I jumped into the car, I drove home and I said, Annie, 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 God has spoken. Where's my typewriter? I'm going to write a letter to Velvet and I'm going to resign. Oh, and he said, can't you please sleep one night over it? I said, no, no, I can't. I can't sleep any night because God said he's going to drop me if I drop that vision. So I wrote my resignation and then peace, deep peace came into my heart and I've never looked back. Those very men who tried to prevent it later on congratulated me for not having obeyed them. So that is the blessed outcome. That's powerful, yeah? There's a little bit more to it we're going to skip to in a second. There's three minutes, which is just messed with my head as well. 
But I want to say this, that you can miss it. You can. Let me just add one thing more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. And there's nothing you can do bad to make him love you any less. Please hear that. But you can miss it. There's another testimony of Reinhard Bonnke when he was called to an assignment in England, and it was so big. And God said to him, I want you to do it. And I think he said, it was either the second or third, he said, he said, God, can you ask someone else to do it? And the Lord said to him, you're the second, or I think it was actually, you're the third person I've asked. We don't want to miss it, people. Do we? When we were in the pre-prayer meeting this morning, my good mate over there had a word that God was wanting. He didn't know what I was going to preach, but he was smack on with his word. He said, God... He's wanting to speak to the people this morning. He said he saw doors with cobwebs opened and there was treasure which God had spoken in and invested in people and they've left it. They've left it behind them and they're just busy trying to get on with life. And God's wanting them to revisit, go back. Say to God, okay, here I am, let's go. I'm ready. However long I've got left, I'm ready. Any one of us, the thought, and I'm not wanting to put a heavy on anyone, but I just thought when I watched that video last night, what a horrible thought of going through this world and not nailing it for God. There's nothing, there's nothing of any value on this planet, there's nothing of any powerful man or woman on this planet could offer us, which is slightly close to the fullness of joy that you can only get, the fullness of satisfaction, the supernatural peace which surpasses our natural understanding. Nothing the world offers can come close to that. Can I just show you the last bit of the video? And then then we can pray together, right? We're back at 6 o'clock, so I expect to see you all then. Okay. I've been praying any technical hitch. So it was my fault. It was a bit lastminute.com. Just back up a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit. Whoa. That'll do. Let him finish. For such a time as this. This is the last bit of what he was sharing. God will not allow anyone to thwart him and his plans. No. He... Uh, puts people out of the way and puts people in the way. But those who are willing to go that way, I felt God could overnight raise anyone, anyone, anyone else to do that job. But I was so keen to go with him and see nations uh, shaken for Jesus. Before we had the big tent, which sat 34,000 people, we had one that was sitting about 10,000 people. 
it was the so-called uh, 10,000 seater. And uh, we moved around South Africa, Southern Africa at that time. And so I came to the Transkei and uh, while we were in the midst of our gospel crusade there, I heard that a very famous African evangelist was just uh, about 50 kilometers away. Uh, I knew his name and I was thrilled that he was so close. So the next day I drove all the way to that other tent and it was not the man there I had expected, not that great African evangelist, but one of his uh, deputies. But we talked and he said, the big man of God in 1972 decided to drop his crusade ministry on a large scale. I listened and listened and listened and suddenly I remembered it was in 1972 that God gave me the vision of a blood-washed Africa that shook me to the core. In those days I had not even known that great man, but the Lord, unbeknown to me, already put in a replacement. He has replacements, and they are all top choices. They are all top choices. They may be number two or number three, but when God gets hold of a man or a woman, he enables them to fulfill that task. And I humbly submit that that was the case in my own life. The moral of the story is, if I were you, I would not procrastinate and I would not just postpone it. I would jump and I would do what God has told me to do. It's in any case the highest calling possible on earth. It's the highest form of human living on earth. That's what it is. And to have the honor to be called by God is more than being the president of the mightiest nation on earth. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. What do you say after that? <laughs> what do you say? I think we say, God, whatever you want for us for the rest of the time that we have on this planet, we're in. Yeah. Amen.